glad to be in the house of the Lord today. There is a moving in the spirit. It never stops. It never stops. God, Jesus has not come back for his people yet. This is why we're still here. And we need to be attentive of that. We want to be ready of that. We want to give him praise and we want to give him worship. And I'm just so glad to be in a place where people are not afraid to worship God. They're not afraid to praise him. They're not afraid to say, Jesus is my Savior. Praise God. I hope all you guys are having a great morning. Because every morning is great when you live for God. Every morning is great when you live for God. My worst day, my worst day living for God is better, is better than my best day when I was living in the world. It's better. Ten times, a hundred times, there's just, it just, you just can't add to it. You don't know how much, but it's, you know, it's great. With that being said, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today with all you saints. And I say it like that because uh, I believe it and I declare it. I know that God is moving, as I said earlier, but also, he, as I said, also said, he wants us to be attentive. We're going to open up our books. I'm sorry, our, the holy book, our Bibles to Matthew 28, uh, verse 16 through 20. That's going to be our starting scripture. And the Bible says, Then the, the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Praise God. How many of us believe that today? He is with us. If you would pray with me, bow your heads in reverence to the Lord. Lord, if, Lord, if you would give us, Lord, the strength, O oh God, to continue in this fight, Lord, we will do that, Lord. This flesh is weak, Lord, but we know that the Spirit is willing within us, O oh God. Lord, we say, Lord God, we want to give gratitude to the gospel, Lord. Help us, help, help it increase within us, Lord. We know that the gospel is the power to salvation, Lord. We want to share it with those who don't know it, Lord, don't understand it, Lord. But also we want, mighty God, that they know that the gospel is of love, your mercy, and your grace, Lord. Bless them today, Lord, with your word. Let our hearts be prepared, Lord, for, the, for this word that's going to come. Let it fall on good, on good ground. On good ground, give us the wisdom and the understanding, Lord, the knowledge to deliver your message. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. In this first scripture, um, well, I think uh, we can all relate. And we've read this over and over if we've read the Bible. And I'm going to say the book of Matthew. And in Jesus is, uh, obviously, he's, he's called the 12 disciples, as we see in uh, verse 16. And he tells them to go to Galilee, into the mountain. And the word of God, you know, it's, it's, and they're there because he has appointed them. He has called them, uh, you know, for a certain job, a certain uh, explanation. And he, he calls them there first. And I find it that they, they go there. And, and, and in verse 17, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some doubted. Now, nowhere do we see that Jesus allowed this doubt to distract or to deterrent this plan, which he had already set in motion. 
He didn't let it bother him. And this should be a lesson to all of us, I think, even when uh, we see doubt, we should not be discouraged. But instead, encourage that someone to move forward in faith. I have personally encouraged someone to move forward this week, but I will not leave out that someone has also encouraged me. It's necessary that we support one another and we call on one another. And, and the strength does become strong again. And at times, I would say, you know, actions speak louder than words. We all need encouragement. Just make sure that this also, this person that's encouraging you uh, is fearful of God just as you are as fearful of God. It does make a difference. Now, I'm not saying the people of the world can't encourage you. They can. The problem is that if your, your hurt is spiritual, they won't be able to help you with that. There's only one that can, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So we seek him in spirit and in truth, and we trust in him, saying, Lord, heal my heart. There has to be an understanding in the spirit. So even though this is uh, the last chapter in the book of Matthew, I found it interesting that Jesus was calling the, the apostles. He is separating them, these few, to give them this specific information, which is the Great Commission. These are the same men that Jesus called his friends. John 15, 14, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 15, verse 14 to 22 tells us how he warned them that they would be treated and, and, and known as. He didn't say to them, uh, he didn't say this to them in a crowd. He, he specifically told them to go out uh, at separate times. And in one case, he did share a little bit more information with them in the midst of others. But others, had, others that were there, uh, others had not experienced this. So it wasn't for them at that point in time. The disciples had been through it. In verse 11, the disciples never forgot what they saw. Nothing they could ever be pried from their memories. It would be embedded in, into them forever. Very much like us, we have given our lives to God, and we've also find our, found ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And the things that God has done for us, we will never forget. And John 15, continue with the scripture, Ye are my friends, and if you do whatsoever I command you, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And this is the kind of friendship that I call godly friendship. I call this a Jesus friend. And it's because there's nothing hidden. There's, there's, uh, when we are in trouble, we, we call upon those friends and we, we speak to them and we tell them to pray for us. And in verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things, and again, verse 17, these, in verse 17, these things I command you, he said, that ye love one another. And then going into 18, if the world hate you, this is still part of the description, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So there's a hate that's going to come over those that live for God and fear God. Verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So Jesus is making a, a distinction here that, that because I am the Lord, you're not greater than me. So if I went through this, you're going to go through this as well. 
But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sins. So God, Jesus is exposing uh, that if he had not come to preach the gospel, they would have not known what they were doing wrong. Uh, he, he came to declare the truth. He said he was the truth. He is the truth. And we know that to be true. And in, declare, in his declaration, it exposed everything that was within them. Jesus came to separate and give a description of what separation looks like. It's not going to be fun to be separated and to be all by yourself at times. It's not. It's going to hurt. And you're going to feel lonely. It's not going to be fun. I mean, it's not going to be fun at all. But if it's to the glory of God, if it is, then it will be something that is pleasing to him and it will be worthwhile. It's worthwhile. So if you've ever been in that situation or if you're in that situation, hold to it. Hold to it. It is much better to do that which is pleasing to the Lord than to do what is pleasing to the flesh of man. And the flesh of man is not only some, someone that you, you know, but it can also be our own flesh. We can want to please. You know what? It's okay. I want to do this. And God says, no. We, we know that the Bible tells us that we are the temple of the living God. Paul tells us that as well. We are to crucify the flesh. We find that even some of the disciples doubted when they saw Jesus, but they still worshipped him. So I'm going to say that at times when you feel in your weakness that I don't know, I don't know, let go of the I don't know and just put your, put your eyes on God and just set them there and, and don't waver and trust in him and know that he's going to come through for you because he is going to come through for you. He won't leave you nor forsake you. They, the, the disciples, they knew that he was who he was because uh, where they had been, they had been with him. They had obeyed his voice. In Matthew 28, verse 18, and I'm just kind of going down, Jesus wanted to share with him something uh, that would finish the work of who he really was exactly. Not only was he the son of God, but now here, uh, what he says in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth, Jesus was not only just referring to the fulfilling of the law and prophets and what was from the promise that was given to Abraham, but instead it went clear to the beginning, to the beginning of time of creation. It was, I was moved by this statement because I think every scripture that I, at times opens up a door or a window, uh, sometimes we let it pass by and we don't make any notes. And I'm just, I was fortunate to be right in that window, and I said, I have to make a note of this. He said, all power, as we know and believe, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The same power was that power that was given to Jesus after he resurrected. In Genesis 49.10, and I'm taking you back, the, 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 he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. The word Shiloh means tranquility, peace. And, this, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Jesus was that peacemaker, and we were waiting on that. And he came, and, and now he has gathered people unto him. The moment the enemy caused Eve to stumble, a plan was set in motion. Genesis 3.15. And I will put enemy between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The Lord is specifically speaking to Satan here and telling him what's going to happen. Is just being very clear. Now, he doesn't, who, he doesn't know who it is or when he's coming, but we know he's coming soon. 
Now, he's already been here once. He was, he was born, but he's coming back in the spirit for a spirit, and I'm going to say spirit-filled church. But in all of this, the scepter was carried from, from the very beginning. And this is, and it's almost as if, uh, if you've ever been there, and I, I, I want to say some, a lot, some of you pretty sure have. I want to belittle anybody. But sometimes God will take you in, and give you visions as, as to how back far in time things can travel. And he, he, he pretty much, he showed me a bloodline. A bloodline is what I saw. The Lord specifically speaking to Satan about a bloodline. But if, in, in all this, the scepter again is carried from the very beginning through a bloodline, through those that were living at the time before the, the, the warning of the flood. And it says, and then you have Noah before the flood who, who God saved with his family and continued the bloodline. Then after that, we have Abraham and the prophets, judges, and finally the kings. And at last, Jesus is born. And Jesus is born. He takes up the scepter, which, as we know, comes through the lineage of Judah. That, and we would, some would say, well, he took the scepter up um, at the death, but it was at the very beginning when he was anointed, when he went out to the wilderness. Because he had already, uh, he had lived all his life, 30 years of his life, and then came into the ministry. And I recently shared this with my family, how, you know, the Bible tells us how he overcame all flesh. Jesus was 30 years old. When he came to the ministry, and I say ministry, even though he was there from the very beginning, he, he, he took his uh, full, I don't, I don't want to say initiation, but he was moved into it in his 30th year. And he came in and he overcame everything that we at times did not overcome. He was 30 years old. Now, if you think back how many times you probably failed within that time frame of there and 30, well, Jesus did zero. Zero. Otherwise, he wouldn't be the Messiah. So zero. He still needed looking after, but I just wanted to point that out. It was something interesting to me. It was something that God was just kind of, hey, you know what? This is what I mean by this. That if I can do this, you can do that. However, you still need the spirit to get to, king, to, to, get to heaven. So where, where we come from uh, in this case is important. Otherwise, why would the Lord care to include it in the book of Matthew and Luke? And I'm talking about the genealogies because that's where the bloodline comes from. Now, it has it in, in, from the very beginning, Luke, uh, Matthew has it at the beginning, and Luke has it in chapter 3, verse 23 to 38. And I'll let you uh, look at that on your own. Now, Jesus takes up the scepter, not through boasting, but through his 30 years, 30 years sinless life, fulfilling scripture even as a child. Then later conquering the grave through his death, burial, and resurrection. He was bruised, as the Bible says, for our transgressions. He lived a sinless life, and yet he was crucified. In Isaiah 53, 5 through 11. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we were healed. All we, all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a as a sheep before the shears is dumb so he opened not his mouth didn't care he says i'm not going to say anything he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off 
cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. No deceit. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul. It shall be satisfied. How many of us would like to see our children travail in torture? I don't think any of us would. We would probably yell stop. By his knowledge shall my righteousness, my righteous servant uh, justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. People wonder how could God be pleased at the bruising of this happening or even be satisfied in the travail of Jesus' soul. First off, this is how Jesus finished the plan of salvation. But it all entailed also the bruising of the head of a serpent, Satan. Don't forget that. And the body of the Lord would have to be bruised and torn and ripped with the cat of nine tails, which was a device made to torture criminals. This is our Lord and Savior. And as many who don't know this, as to why he did this, they would try to stop them from doing this to him. Don't hurt him. Leave him alone. What's wrong with you? But as for us, I would think knowing who he was and knowing that what he what he had to do, we would, we would want to stop it, but we could not. And we would not. Because if you did, you would be the one pulling the scepter out of the hand of God himself and destroying his plan to save humanity. But instead, I would encourage you to raise your hands towards him and say, mercy, Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord. Find yourself in, the, in, in, in repentance before his throne and take his peace offering. And on the peace offering I'm talking about is not as we would think of it. The peace offering I'm referring to is, is it would be more as Jesus being the peace offering, the sacrifice. All you have to do is surrender and receive it. This peace offering was his death at the cross. It was an offering so that you may enter into his peace. God gave me a word for the ones who uh, have not yet made it to the water and baptism in his name. The name, the, the, the name that's in the book of Acts that is, that is mentioned at the day of Pentecost. We know it's Jesus where 3,000 were added to the church. Peter preached it. And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we are blessed to have received that. If you're asking, does it really have to be that way? The answer is yes. Yes, it does. It does. Jesus said, what you ask in my name, I will do it. The law of the past of the Old Testament will judge you. And death awaits you in the future. And the future could be, your, it just could be five minutes from now. And, and God forbid that your end is then. Hopefully, you make the decision before your time. And you'll stand in the midst. You stand in the midst of mercy with both judgment and death by each side. But as of now, here today, I, I want you to know you have a chance to make things right by hearing the voice of the Lord, Jesus Christ, who has lived and died, was buried, and has resurrected so that you may have life. Tomorrow's not promised, and we don't know what tomorrow will bring, as the Word advises us and tells us. Praise God for the Word. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is bruised and takes up the scepter. 
that was always rightfully his from the beginning. He tells the disciples, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. God could go forward and back in time. He could change your future by erasing your past. But you have to let him. And he will if you do. An interesting point I would like to make is that Paul was not with the disciples when uh, these scriptures that I'm talking, Matthew chapter 28. He was not yet in the picture. But what we do find is that when Jesus said all these things, Paul was somewhere in the midst, in the back. Perhaps not even close to, to those. Maybe he, maybe he passed by them. We don't know. The Bible doesn't mention it and Paul doesn't mention it. But one thing that Paul does do once he comes to the Lord, in 1 Timothy chapter 3.16, as we know it, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up into glory. Paul was declaring the same God of Isaiah 9.6 in his letter to make it clear that everything points to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. So Jesus commands his disciples to go and to wait for him at a certain place, which is away from society. He is going to tell them something that is uh, groundbreaking, transforming. It is the great commandment of importance known as the Great Commission. And I believe this is why we need to at times pray and fast and get away from everything that is around us. This is why we, 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 they say fast from the media, fast from this, and more importantly, our food so that the spirit can give, we can give rise to the spirit and the flesh be suppressed. Matthew chapter 28, 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. It was, I believe, a formula that was not clear yet, at least not to the apostles. Jesus spoke this, they heard it, and it was pretty much of a puzzle to them. And that puzzle were, obviously, as we see a puzzle, a bunch of pieces. But something happened as they obeyed the voice of God. When Jesus said to them, go to Jerusalem there till you be endued with power, they did obey that, and they were. And it was through the Holy Ghost that that puzzle, that puzzle, the pieces all fell into place. Peter preached, and the church grew. The Bible says 3,000 were added to the church in that specific time. We understand it uh, as some, some have taught it to us, you know, how the church grew it. But the, the fact of the matter is that at the beginning, you know, when I first came to the Lord, I didn't understand that 100%. But as I grew in the Lord and as I read the scriptures, I could understand it and see it, how the church could grow. You see, the church is not made up of just one nation. It's many people. Nations referring to culture. And in those, nation, and in those nations, you also have a variety of people. Men, women, and children. Poor and rich. Old and young intellectual and intellectual and that's just a few that is within one nation or culture just a few I mean we could continue to break that down but I'm not going to do that and I thought that was interesting because that means there's there's a variety of people we have to reach there's a variety of people that we have to talk to and somehow preach the gospel to them to where they understand it and not we if I come to you with a word that you don't understand I, or, or an explanation that doesn't make sense, please come up to me. I'd be more than happy to explain it to you. More than happy. There's a psychologist by the name of Jordan Peterson. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him or seen him. I, I, know, <laughs> I know you guys have, praise God. And, and he mentions uh, in one of his short recordings that the Bible is the only book that addresses all aspects of life. 
Whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, the answer lies in the Word of God. It doesn't matter where you stand. There's a place for you to start fixing your life with God. And it's in His Word. He is the perfect foundation. Psalm 127, 1 through 2. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. In other words, if God is not keeping the city, then when we get up, then there's nothing there. There's no protection. It's no use. It's useless. For, but we know that in this case, God is here. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. How many know that sleeping is important? If you're not rested up, I can personally tell you that if you're not rested up, I'm going to say enough, you're not going to be able to function. And it's hard to teach a Bible study when you're not functioning properly. So, and uh, I'll give a little bit more than that if I get a chance to. In addition to baptism, the Lord required a bit more. Simply baptizing was not go just not enough. Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So there, there's other things that uh, we still need to do even through ba after baptism. We, I mean, I could go over the Ten Commandments, but uh, there's much more to it than that. The act of living it out, teaching and preaching is a big part of it. But that's only scratching the surface. But instead, I will take you to Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. It says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments, because now I'm not, I'm not even counting on the ten. I'm counting on all of them. And shall teach men so, in other words, if I break it and I, and I show you to do this, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And this was interesting to me, and I'll share you this scripture. At, at, when I first read it, it sounds like if you break a commandment and teach them, that you will be called the least in the kingdom of God, almost as if you're already there. But you're not there. It's referring, it, sound, it sounds like that. Someone is going to be, it sounds like someone's going to be in a high place, and they're going to be looking down at you, and you without knowing, they're going to say, oh, that one's the least, that was the least, that was, oh, that was a great one right there. It's nothing like that. Jesus is preaching and speaking to people who are not there yet, who are in need of some words of advice, and for them to make up their mind. He is speaking to the multitude who are more than likely Jews. The Bible says to the Jew first. He was in the midst of them and preaching to them this very thing in his time with the apostles and all those hearing. And here's a scripture that the Lord brought. Joshua 24, 15. It's a very short portion of it. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. We must make a decision. Do we want to serve God or do we want to serve ourselves? Or do we want to serve some other God that maybe no one knows anything about? Or maybe someone knows about it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 through, 4 through 6. He that said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He's, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also, also so to walk even as he walked. Who do we believe they're talking about as he walked? Take a wild guess. Jesus. Amen. He was talking about Jesus as he walked. 
Jesus. In both of these scriptures, again, I also found it interesting. And again, teaching, uh, you know, to, to hold to these things. Both of these scriptures, at the very end, it talks about hate. And it talks about um, not loving. And it talks about anger. And, and, it's, it ta- and it talks about that hate is almost like killing. It is like killing, I'm sorry. It is like killing. We understand hate as, as we understand it, but the vocabulary that we, we read at times is, is not as clear. But if you go deeper into the scriptures, you're going to find that if you hate someone, hate. Now, I mentioned last time, hate is not just like, I just don't like that person. Hate can even be identified as walking by someone and not even speaking to them. Hate is not limit. It's, we, we put a limit on hate. We, we put a, a limit on, on, I just don't like that person. It's more than that. It's deeper. It's deeper. Jesus came for all. He preached to all. And those that came against him, he came against as well. The only time Jesus did not do that is when he was at the cross. He knew that his time was up and he was going to fulfill what he said he was going to do. And he completed it. But during the rest of that time, you'll find in scripture that he stood up. He didn't fold. And at the same, in, the, in that same way, we cannot fold. There are things of the world that are going to come against us, but we don't fold. If we give in, it's almost as if we're saying that we are ashamed of the gospel. And we cannot be ashamed. Praise God. How does hate kill? Well, well if God says that, uh, I'm sorry, how, how, hate kills. If God says that hate kills, then for me, it's, it's more than enough. It's clear. Luke chapter 13, uh, verse 23 to 25. Then said one unto him, Lord, art there few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive to enter into the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, it says that, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. There's only one thing that can separate us from God, and that is our lack of desire to be joined unto him. Jesus is literally saying, do whatever you have to do. He's saying strive to get into that narrow gate. And it says straight, but the word means narrow. Because out of there, many, many have gone there, but only few have found it. Just a few. So if 10 went and only one or two got in, that's a, that's a few. It could be three because two is a couple. Well, like that, God, you know, I, 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 uh, as, I, I, as I began to just read into that, God began to open my eyes to something a little bit greater. We, we at times say, well, there's still a chance for us. And this scripture, I believe what it's referring to is the death. Once we get into that place and position uh, of, of no return, as we have the story of Lazarus where, where uh, the beggar uh, is, is there and we have the, the rich man, there's, the, the scripture said there's a great divide and, and he can't go give him water. Cannot, he can't dip his finger and go put, quench his thirst. He can't do that because there's a great divide. So once it's done, it's done. And this is why the Lord says, you know, it's, it's, it's no use. Um, it, you didn't hear me before. And, and he says, send someone, send someone back and, and let them. He says, if someone returned from the dead, they won't even obey him. 
They have Abraham and the prophets. Jesus is literally uh, saying, do whatever you have to do to enter into the narrow gate. Because out of this, again, out, out, out of the many that have come looking for it, only a few will find it. Well, like that God, uh, I think at times the, the, the death that we are going to enter here in the flesh is in spirit. And in entering into that death, we know that we rise to be a new creature. So it's better to search it now than to search it later. Things that we should really uh, look into when God begins to convict our hearts. And how do we at times not even know that we enter into that place? You know, sometimes God will tell you to cancel some subscriptions if you know what I'm talking about. All that worldly entertainment. We heard uh, Brother uh, Josh Herring give us a, uh, well, pastor allowed us to hear this, this teaching. It's, a, it's an interesting teaching. And, and I'm not saying it's late. I'm not saying that. But that conviction came to me years ago. Years ago, there are things that, that I decided to cut out of my life and not let, it, not let into my life anymore because it was not perfecting my walk with God. And so I got rid of it. And when I did, let me just say this. We are children of God and we, we are to walk uprightly because the Bible says that we are the temple of the living God. I know I've just said that before, but that means that if the spirit of God dwell in us, and at times people say, well, I'm not doing something that's evil because God wouldn't let me do that. And that's not 100% true. You have your free will. I, and I talked about salvation. Pastor talked about salvation a few, uh, some preachings ago. And he talked about how the, uh, the sal what salvation was. And God began to unravel my brain. I shared it last time. Where we're standing in a prison of sin. And the Bible says that, that Jesus is the shepherd. He's the one that opens the gate. So when he opens the gate, it's him who lets us out. But it's only when we say, Lord, we're baptized in your name. We've repented of our sins. And you have given us not, nothing that we have done by his mercy and his grace. Now, then also, Pastor also preached on the crossroads. Remember, anybody was here for, uh, for the crossroads? What, that, what, what he said, it's, it's things that we're going to cross in our lives every day. We make the decision on how we get through those crossroads. If we allow ourselves to be, uh, you know, distracted or, or sidelined by a struggle, we don't delay God's plan. God's plan goes on. But it's important for us to say, you know what? This is only here for a moment. It is a moment in my life, and I'm going to deal with it, and I'm going to keep moving forward. Because, again, it's not worth to lose your salvation over something so small. It's not worth it. Praise God. Proverbs 21, 16, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. An interesting proverb that, you know, I guess uh, we can all say that we know what the beginning of understanding is. Wisdom. Or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And you also have wisdom in, in, in it. Psalm 101, verse uh, 101, 7, he says, he that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Praise God. We need to have faith to be able to function and I'm gonna, I want to share this with, um, with us. I'm going to say that. Like, 
We, we, when we see, at, at times I think we can question, and this is going to, I'm going to say this. Billy Cole was one of the first preachers that I began to listen to because I was hungry for the Lord. Then came Stone King. But Billy Cole was my first one. And there were some interesting things that I learned from him, very specific things. And one of them was, he says, because we are to be like Christ and we are to reproduce as Christ. And he said, he spoke to a, a preacher, and I don't know who he was. I don't remember his name. But he said to him, how do you get your congregation to do as you asked them to do? And he, and he, and he looked at him. He says, I don't know. What, he, Billy Cole didn't know how to answer him at first. But see, the Bible says that God gives discernment. And in that discernment, he saw him. He looked on him. And he continued to pay attention to him. And he saw how he was, how he was acting and performing. And I should say performing, but doing his thing. And then Billy Cole came. I know what your problem is. He says, you do? He says, yes. He said, they reproduce after their own kind. So in other words, the church was acting like this because that leader was like that. So, And that wasn't the only thing. There was more to that. There was, and and, and I'll, tell you that, I'll tell you why I'm saying that. Because when I look, at, I look at Billy Cole, even though he is passed, how many of you have ever seen or have gone back to seeing some of these preachers that have, have preached the word? It's so sound. It's so strong. It convicts you. It turns you away from, from wickedness. And you're thinking, God, thank you for this preacher that preached the word so hard. Lord, he's dead and gone, Lord. But I know, Lord, that he is with you. And because he preached that word, it still res resonates within me right now. I found myself, you know, bawling in tears. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. I remember reading uh, when, he, when he passed. Who would do that? I did. I went in there, I found out, and, I, and I, every, I, people were communicating, and it broke my heart. And I began to weep for a man that had died many years ago before I came to the Lord. Let us not forget those that, that have fought the good fight. You know, there's a conviction in our hearts, and if, and if we truly have that conviction, we're going to be transformed. And God will honor us for that. He says, I see that, I see that transformation. I see that conviction in your heart. I see you dying out to yourself. Praise God. In closing, but let us not forget the life of, the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know I talked about it earlier. How he lived it. How he walked it. And how he had an enormous amount of compassion when he did it. Yes, the death, the burial, and the resurrection are important. But we must more importantly also live it as he did. If they're telling us to do it, then we should do it. It is part of our uh, obedience to the command of the Lord. How do we go out about obeying his commandments? And why do we go out to do this? How do we do this? Read the Gospels. The blueprint is there. It hasn't changed it is the same, and it still works. We don't have to modify his plan to make it suit. I'm sorry, his plan to suit the needs of the people. What we need to do is teach the word in its purest form without change. When you teach the word without change, people will be more able to adhere to it because it's not sugar-coated. It's not made easy to swallow, but it gives them that feeling of that lump in their throat at times. Not that it's a bad, not that it's, it's a bad thing either. God, God might just be working something out in them, and sometimes it's in us. You feel that? If I, you feel that, I'm going to say I'll probably feel it right about now. Praise God. 
It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a conviction. Our God and creator of heaven and earth has given us instructions. He holds all power, not some, all power. He says, come out from the moment and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. God is calling us out from the world because he is the only one with the power to save us from it. Nothing you can do can save you. It's only by his grace. He has given us all power in heaven. Us all power. That Holy Ghost within us. Jesus has done that. He has told us that we are to teach all nations about, all nations about baptism. And, and in that same, teaching them to also observe these things whatsoever he has commanded us to do. And again, not some. He says all. Sharing the gospel. Praise God. If you would stand to your feet. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm about closed here. God is good. He's good. He's not. He's, he's never late. He's always on time. I've recently um, had the, the uh, you know, when you are your weakest and your most brokenness, you think God is not going to use you. And I want to share with you that I have shared the gospel more this week when I was sick feeling depressed, feeling tired. And when I say depressed, I wasn't depressed because, oh, poor me. I was fatigued and I was tired. And I, I, and I spoke to three people, three people. They asked me, what, what do I have to do? The Bible says be baptized in the name of Jesus. You have to repent and you have to be. These are people that I work for. These are people that I talk to when I go to place to place. I can't hold back anymore. We don't have the right to do that. We're trying to save a dying world. And if we don't share it, they're not going to make it. So if you would join with me, I tell you this. When I challenge, it's, you know what, it's not a challenge. It's a commandment that's given to you as well as it's given to me. Go out and share the gospel with someone who is, doesn't understand it. I had someone say, well, you know what, all my life, these are 80-year-old people. All my life they've told me this. I said, that's not true. The blood of Jesus can wipe all sins away. Even if you're 80. It doesn't matter. The Bible talks about the talents. We think of it as, as, as a gift. No, God has given us a burden. Too much is given, much is required. He's forgiven you of, of all your sins. Take that, just as Paul did, and invest it into the kingdom. Praise God. If you'd lift up your hands and worship the Lord to be with me today and us.